0: Welcome to the Cook Center Podcast, and here's your host... By the way, man, where did you get that cop car from? We uh, stole it from these dumb a- cops. Nice! <laughs> nice, guys. <laughs> High guys. Oh. nice. Michael Preston.
1: Two straight trips to Pullman for the Arizona Wildcats, and two straight... Nicest put up on the scoreboard for the Washington State Cougars. I did, the superlatives have all come and gone at this point, and we're going to get to more of them in a minute. But what a football game! What a football game that was last weekend! And I want to give a special shout out right off the top here to the students. Crowd when I came into the stadium, pretty thin, but it filled out. And I, I, I have to admit, it filled out very, very nicely. And better than I was expecting, and I know everybody's been so pissed off at you know I've seen people on social media all up in arms because Husky fans are teasing them about you know people not in the stadium and whatever else uh, this you know last weekend. You know the limitations of that weekend. You know, don't let it bother you. I've I've, I've tried to adopt that mantra a little bit. It is coming and going this week. Um, it is it is working at times and not working at others. But I'm trying to adopt that mantra to just, uh, yeah, you know, you know the problems with it. That's enough. And move on. Christian Capel. Of the athletic, going to join us to talk about the Washington Huskies. He's back covering the dogs. We always love his perspective on Washington. And then the voice of the Mariners. This is kind of this is fun. I've been wanting to speak with him for a long time. As a former PA guy, I really like Tom Hutler. He's the creator of the Mississippi Mustache song that made the rounds uh, today on Coug Center Facebook, Twitter. Uh, an incredible song, and I want to talk to him about it and what went into creating that. He is a Coog, so I'd like to hear from him. And see what he has to say. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun uh, as well. But, I I, I mean, what more is there to say about that football game last weekend other than, you know, wow. I mean, for all the reasons we talked about last week or I talked about because you weren't doing any talking, you're doing listening. uh, That game, you know, it could have been a letdown game. And previous teams could have let it been a letdown. Uh, Arizona was coming off a bye week, and in fact, not only coming off a bye week, they played on Friday the week before, so they even had an extra day to rest and get ready. Washington State was coming back from a road trip uh, against Colorado. They had the Apple Cup this week on a short week, and no matter what happened in that game, the Apple Cup was still going to be for the right to go to the Pac-12 championship game. It was still to win the Pac-12 North, no matter what happened in that game against Arizona. So I guess my Fear was looking past it. Khalil Tate was being back to his pretty much his old self, hucking the ball downfield a long ways and being able to just really open up that passing game for Arizona and and use his legs and all this other stuff. There every reason for to be a little bit worried about this game. <laughs> touchdown! Touchdown! Punt! Touchdown! 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 touchdown touchdown. 55 points in the first damn half. (laughs) Like how, how, how does that happen? I have no idea. Well, I mean, I do have an idea. I'm looking at the pl- I'm looking at the chart right now. 55 points in one half of football. That is insane. Eight touchdowns. That's four touchdowns a quarter, including one touchdown you got in a way I had never seen before. You got two touchdowns that any time coming off the clock. The clock stopped at seven oh four, and then you kicked off, and the clock did not move, and you scored a touchdown again. <laughs> and then on that next drive, Arizona went backwards eleven yards. They punted, and you scored a touchdown again. I mean, I, I just I, I I said this a minute ago, and I'm going to say it again. What other superlatives, and P.J. said this in his Monday column where he awards Player of the Week, what what else is there to say about this football team? What else is there to say about a football team that everybody expected to not be very good, this person included, most national media writers included, I think most fans included, just about everybody looked at this football team and said, you know what, a lot of pieces to replace including coaches, quarterback, offensive line, two good wide receivers, Lots of talent on the defensive line, and it 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 just is all working. Everything is working for them right now. Jeff Phelps has to get a lot of credit for the work he's done with the defensive line. Tracy Clays has to get a ton of credit for the work he's done with the defense. Mike Leach has to get a ton of credit for the way this team has coalesced. Gardner Minshew has to get a ton of credit for leading this team right now and just kind of being the emotional and, and, and you know, Physical for the way he's playing, catalyst for this team right now. It 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 just all came together in a way I don't think anyone ever expected it to. And I mean, you look back at this football team after that loss to USC, the three and one. I you know I thought you know you got to win all three of those non-conference games to have a chance to be bowl eligible, and they did that. They lost it close to USC. And I thought, okay, maybe we'll start to see some struggles, or you could rip off wins four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in a row. I mean, either way, <laughs> whichever you want to do. I, I'm I'm literally having a hard time fitting in all the compliments and all all the all the praise we need to give this team and all the attention. That needs to be given to it. Because on a week-to-week basis, I'm trying to parse it out. Max Borgie, James Williams have will played great. Desmond Patman, my guy. Desmond Patman, finally coming alive this season. Tay Martin's played excellently. Jameer Calvin, Aesop Winston, Renard Bell, Calvin Jackson, Kyle Sweet, Oscar Oscar Dragisovich. I think I got that right, Oscar. I think I got that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. I, I literally... Just at the whole offensive line, everyone has been playing incredible football. And I, w- I want to make a, I, I, I had a thought on the drive home on Sunday. We ate at Breakfast Club Sunday morning. Delicious. And this is me trying to get a sponsorship from them, not that they need it. Chicken fried steak was delicious. I was driving home with my wife, and we got into Colfax, left Colfax, and driving west, right around where the speed limit turns to 65, I know most of you know where that is. And I looked at her and I said, the number eight football team in the country is 25 miles away from here. look around at where we are physically the number 8 team in the country is here that to me that was a a bit of a revelation you don't normally see number 8 teams in the country in an isolated place like Pullman Washington And it, it, it just, it, it befuddled me because looking around, it's a two lane road, half the damn way there from Seattle. And frankly, no matter where you come from, it's a one one lane road into there in some way, pretty much unless you're coming from Moscow, it's a one lane road. But the number eight team in the country is there, should be the number seven team in the country, but apparently, they're the Washington State Rodney Dangerfields, and I, I I don't know why. I just thought that was a thought that it it really struck me that out here rests and plays the number eight team in college football, in just a nondescript little place in the middle of somewhere we all hold very dearly, and that and that to me was. It's just kind of a cool moment to think about that. And to maybe think that that had something to do with this team's ability to come together and to care about one another and to really and truly play for each other. And I think Jeff made a really good point in his column on Monday. What you have on this football team are two guys who have seen the end of football. Peyton Palur saw it last year. Gardner Minshew saw it too. And it helps that they are the leader of your offense and your defense They saw the end. Saw it right there in front of them. And they got rewarded with another year. These guys know what is happening at the end of this. And that's not to say normal seniors don't. But these guys have that extra perspective where they had unfinished business there. Redshirt senior season. Peyton Palour got hurt. Gardner Minshew struggled at East Carolina. These guys are already playing with house money at this point. And, I, and I, I mean that. And that kind of segues nicely into the Apple Cup. Because we know the problems that Mike Leach coach teams have had with Chris Peterson coach teams. I mean, the average margin of victory the last few years speaks for itself. There's just, There's no way around that. Jimmy Lake running the defense with the really good secondary Washington has... Um, They're pretty much tailor-made to beat this offense. To play man coverage and to take away the areas where this air raid wants to work. But you get the feeling looking at this football team that they're just not thinking about that. Or they're playing looser and you get the feeling that they puckered up a little bit the last few years knowing how desperately they needed this game. But... The people who should be doing the puckering in this one are not the Washington State Cougars. I'll grant you that I would love to go to the Pac-12 Championship game. I would love to go to the Rose Bowl. I, w- I would love to do all of that. It would be an incredible punctuation mark on what has been the most befuddling and wonderful season of football I've seen probably ever in my time rooting for Washington State. But know this. The pressure is not on Washington State. That house money I talked about that Peyton Palour and that Gardner Minshew were playing with, Washington State is playing with house money. They are not the ones who are supposed to be in this position. It's supposed to be Washington. And in fact, Washington's supposed to be in the position of being close to the top four in the college football playoff. Now, we're going to talk about with Christian here in a minute, you know, Washington winning this game and then going on to win the Pac-12 championship. The Rose Bowl is going to be a very nice consolation prize for them if they do that. But the expectations for Washington are much were much higher than what they have achieved this year. And they've been going through their own quarterback issues at Montlake this year. So know this. The pressure is not on Washington State in this football game. And you may not want them to play fast and loose like they have been all year. But that's probably just the recipe they need to remain competitive in this game and to know that you know not only is this a rivalry game and a pretty important rivalry game to your fans and everyone else it's pretty important to winning the Pac-12 North in fact it's the only thing that's important to winning the Pac-12 North so you need you need to know that the the pressure is squarely on the other football team lose this football game and you are eight and four in a year where you were p- you were a sexy pick to be in the college football playoff you're eight and four if you lose this football game and you're going to the holiday bowl maybe the red box bowl maybe pressures not on wazoo and does that help them? think a little bit knowing that you know what we've done here is incredible and we'd like to put a punctuation mark on it and doing that in this game would be just that I do not think this will be a blowout like we've seen in previous years I truly do not know which way this game is going to go because a I'm a kook fan and so this game always fills me with dread it always does and Washington is still a very talented team so I don't know which way this is going to go. But what I do know is there is a team with more pressure on them. It is not Washington State. Christian Capel. Up next, we're going to talk about the Huskies and what they bring to Martin Stadium this Friday on Black Friday. Here we Center. Out. Here on the Coug Center Hour, we are joined now by formerly of the Moscow Pullman Daily News, formerly of the Seattle P.I., formerly of the Spokesman Review, formerly of the Tacoma News Tribune. Did I get all four of those right, Christian Cable, now that you're writing at The Athletic?
2: That's correct, and in in proper chronological order, too, so good job.
1: I'm I'm, I'm nothing if not studious about very weird things, (laughs) including your resume. Uh, Christian Cable from The Athletic, he covers Washington football. Uh, for them he joins us here to talk about Washington football and Christian eight and three on the year I think Uh, probably would it be fair to say disappointing for a lot of Husky fans at this point I mean obviously that loss to Auburn early in the year doesn't look as good now but that was you know I I think at least at the time that was you know if they lost the game not a disaster because playoffs still probably a hope but losses to Oregon and at Cal Uh, where where's kind of everybody sitting right now with the way the season's gone.
2: Yeah, it's, um, it's it's probably unlike any that, that I've been around for in that, like you said, they had the preseason expectation of, you know, they're a top-ten team and they got this big primetime showdown with Auburn in the opener in mm-hmm. Atlanta and on a big stage and people talking about them as a playoff contender and they're the runaway preseason favorite to win the Pac-12. And um, so, you know, you, you step back and, and look at it before October's even over, a team like that has three losses – you have to say it's a disappointment to some degree. Right. And the, the fact that their second loss um, you know, to, to Oregon came under the circumstances that it did with, with missing a, a field goal and, and not really taking an opportunity to move the ball further down the field, then you lose in overtime, and you're kind of eliminated from CFP contention you know, by mid-October. I think there's a, an element of disappointment there. Um, but at the same time, I think Husky fans looked at, at the road that was left after that, and even after the Cal game, And said, hey, you know, this was disappointing. You know, you can sit back and and, and think that they should have won each of those games or could have won. Certainly did have an opportunity to win each of those games. But at the end of the day, hey, if they take care of business against Stanford, take care of business against Oregon State. You've got uh, an Apple Cup with the winner going to the the Pac-12 championship game and and a Rose Bowl appearance is still in sight. So, you know, I I think if you're going into the last regular season game, knowing that if you win, you're going to be division champion, you're going to be one more win away from going to the Rose Bowl, I don't think, you know, as much as maybe the the shine of the Rose Bowl has been diminished a little bit by the the playoff era, Mm -hmm. I still think, um, you know, if if you're the University of Washington, if you're Washington State, if you're a Pac-12 team, Playing in the Rose Bowl is still a really big deal. Oh, yeah. No, and obviously I, yeah. winning a Pac-12 championship is still a really big deal. So yeah. it's like it's disappointing because of what people thought this season could be before it started. But um, there's nobody around the University of Washington right now who uh, isn't still really excited about what could yeah. be over these next couple of weeks. So it's, it's it's a weird blend of like they haven't delivered on the, the promise of what this season could have been, but they've, yeah. they've still kept the attention of, of the fan base all throughout the season. And I I think this day and age, that's really all you can really ask for. Yeah, that
1: that's, I mean, I, that, I think that's kind of it, you know, the Rose Bowl being a consolation prize is not a bad way to go with anything. Uh, I want to talk uh, really quickly about Miles Gaskin, Christian. Uh, we were talking a little bit before he had a shoulder injury that kept him out of a couple of games. Uh, uh, earlier this season, uh, back in these last two games, uh, seems to be back to his old self. He had over 100 yards rushing in each one, averaging something around seven yards a touch in each game. And when he was out, I I think you know Washington still won some fo- you know won a football game that he was not in, but you you could see the offense struggling a bit without him. Is he really kind of the big cog that turns this offense for the Huskies?
2: Yeah, you know I think during those two games he was out like you said even though they won one of them and and actually uh, rushed for a a season high in that game as as odd as that is um, yeah he has pretty obviously established himself as as their you know most consistent most reliable offensive player and it's been Mm -hmm. that way for the last three years um you know he just like and Jake Browning has said a couple times this year that really the highest praise he has for Miles Gaskin is that you know he consistently turns two-yard runs into seven-yard runs. And mm-hmm. um, you know offensive coordinator Bush Hamden has said a couple times that when you have a guy who's that patient and has has his kind of vision and his ability to finish runs you can call some stuff for him even when the box doesn't necessarily dictate to run the ball. Right. Um, And you, you you can, he he can get you plus yards even when the the defense seemingly has you overmatched up front. So, you know, I think it's just that ability, like you know, they run for 201 yards against Colorado, and you kind of think, "Oh, okay, well, you know, they certainly they they want him back as soon as they can get him, but at least they can kind of get it done without him." Right. And then he c- comes back against Stanford, and it's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, like he he adds he adds an element, a uh, dynamic that um, quite simply nobody else on the roster does." Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's I, I think. I've been a little bit surprised by just how how much bad, the, the degree to which he's come back to full speed after missing those two games. You know, I think even when he was ready to play, it was kind of like, well, he's you know he's had two weeks off, but you know how how many carries is he gonna you know can, can you give it to him twenty five times? Do you right. have to limit him to fifteen times. And when he gets tackled, is he getting up, grabbing at that shoulder? Is he mm-hmm. still in pain? But now he's just playing through it. But really, the, the Stanford game. And then, you know, they, they had a bye, and, and then against Oregon State, you really have not seen any ill effects at all. I, I don't think um, I've seen him get up once wincing or with his arm hanging or, or with his, you know,
3: arm mm.
2: holding it out in front of him like, like he was against UCLA and like he was against Oregon when he really hurt it. So I think that's the the most encouraging thing, that they really rode him. You know, his first game back against Stanford, they gave it to him 28 times. Yeah, And, you know, he to withstand that – Get a, get a nice bye week to, to rest up a little bit and then come back with 18 more carries against Oregon State and, and uh, not look any worse for wear, at least from from where we're sitting. Um, you know, I think that's that's been a, a pleasant surprise.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Browning's kind of been – I think it's been interesting to watch his season from afar. He has clearly been struggling uh, a lot more this year, and it kind of interesting to seeing the statistical – uh, sort of decline over the past couple of seasons. It reminds me a bit of Luke Falk in that regard. In that you get around to your senior season and the shine kind of starts to wear off for a lot of people, especially if you struggle uh, in an offense that you you know you used to have a pretty good command of, if not a great command of it. What has been his biggest problem this year? Because you know, I, I, I you can point back to 2016 and go. All the talent you had at receiver, especially John Ross, who could blow the top off of any defense. You know, I mean, a lot of quarterbacks would love to have that, and you clearly played well in it. But has there been another issue of it? You know, the I think the receivers are still pretty good, but is there just another problem that we're not aware of? Yeah, it's it's interesting
2: that you know you look position by position and. I th- I think that uh, you know it, it, maybe it was easy to get fooled to a certain degree into thinking that this receiver group was going to be a lot better than it was like they come out in that opener against Auburn and, you know, Quentin Pounds makes a crazy one-handed catch. Yep. Ty Jones is catching passes while, while the defender's being flagged for pass interference, you know, pulling in crazy catches. And it's like, wow, okay, they've, they've got some guys who can win some one-on-one matchups and make plays. Mm-hmm. And that element has shown up in every game throughout this season. But I, I don't think that they've got a receiver core yet that, you know, is, is really, really crisp in their routes and mm-hmm. can consistently get open against, you know, really tough cover corners. Certainly mm-hmm. they don't have a guy like John Ross who can, you know, just take the top off and, you know, force the defense to roll a safety over and, and take the attention away from everybody else. You know, I don't think it can really be uh, overstated just how important that was for, for Jake Browning yeah. his sophomore year two years ago. Um, and then, you know, I think they've had some some pass protection issues at times, too. Certainly not having Trey Adams for um, all of this season up until yesterday hasn't helped. I think, you know, Jared Hilbers has done okay in, in his spot at left tackle. But, you know, that that's a, an All-American and a potential first-round draft pick who they thought they'd have, who you took out of the lineup. You know, that, that's yeah. going to have an impact. Um, and, you know, a couple couple other first time starters in there too, who, you know, I I think they like the talent they have overall in that group, but maybe it hasn't been as consistent as you would like uh, for a team that entered the season ranked in the top 10. So, and then, you know, I I think we've realized over these last couple of years, what Jake Browning's ceiling as a player is Mm -hmm. Um, no, under no circumstances should they have ever, benched him or should they bench him in these next couple of games? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he clearly is the, the best eligible quarterback on the roster uh-huh. and I don't think there's any question about that. So, um, you know, when they give him time, when they protect him, like I think about the BYU game where he was 23 for 25 and had all day to throw. And, and yeah, I mean, that guy's going to pick you apart when yeah. he's got the chance to sit back there and go through his progression go through his reads and, and make the right decision. Um, he, he's pretty tough. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just I think maybe part of it is after four years, Pac-12 defenses have, you know, they got a ton of tape on him and they've been able to study his tendencies and maybe game plan some things and make it tough for them to throw the ball downfield. But um, certainly, it's I I don't think it's all on him. You know, I think this this offense just for whatever reason has kind of lacked that explosiveness this year and anyway, people brought up even before miles gaskin was hurt um they really weren't hitting a ton of explosives in the running game either yeah whereas you know as, as good as he is at getting you you know four or five six yards consistently he's been just as good these last three years at you know boom he will hit you for 30 or he'll hit you for 40 mm-hmm. so uh, he finally did break a, a big long run against uh Oregon State yesterday. Yeah, I I remember
1: that one, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, from the running game to the passing game. I mean, they just, I I don't know that they they quite have the personnel to have this sort of big play explosive offense, and I think that's hindered them a little bit.
1: You know, I actually, speaking on that a little bit, I I went and looked at their schedule from 2016 to 2017, and the defense still very good this year, and we'll get to them uh, in a second, because it just seems that there's one thing Chris Peterson can do, it's reload a defense, and it just hardly misses a beat. But the one thing I noticed was, you know, Washington is, you know, they're eight and three, obviously. And last year, again, double digit wins. And then in 16, obviously the playoff year, but they were blowing the doors off of teams in those years. And they're just, other than that BYU game, you don't see a game really on the schedule where you go, wow, they just beat the pants off of someone this year.
2: Yeah. It's, um, I mean, Chris Peterson has kind of remarked on that, that it's, it's this frustrating pattern of they just seem to kind of grind it out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think the first hint of that was when they went down to UCLA and, and the UCLA had just been an absolute mess. And, you know, you're thinking, gosh, is this is this the kind of team that might go 0-12? They just they look yeah. horrible. They're starting a true freshman quarterback, and they can't stop anybody, and they can't move the ball. And they're up, the Huskies are up 24-7 to at halftime, and they wind up giving up a couple uh, touchdown drives, and they have to hold on and recover an onside kick to run the clock out and win by seven. Mm-hmm. And I think ever you know since then it was just kind of like okay this is just yeah I, for whatever reason this roster just does not seem built to run away from people right um, and I, I think part of that is it seems weird to say because the defense has been really consistently good all year yeah. this is a very very good defense with a lot of talent um, you got. The, the nation's the number two tackler linebacker and Ben Burke curve. And you got mm-hmm. the, probably three or four guys in the secondary who are going to play in the NFL. You got great gains as an NFL tackle up front. Um, but I, I think the way that opposing team offenses have approached them has kind of taken away the defense's big play potential. Like they, they have not intercepted a ton of passes this right, year. It's yeah. just, Kind of play ball control, keep it on the ground, think and dunk. We're not going to take a ton of you know chances downfield. We're not going to give Byron Murphy you know seven chances to to intercept a pass, fifteen or twenty yards downfield. Mm-hmm. And I think they've used those turnovers and those big plays by their defense to fuel what has been a high-scoring offense these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so. You take that element away and their pass rush isn't what it used to be either they're they're not it's not like they're getting to the quarterback a ton and some of that is is due to what i just said the fact that you know teams aren't just dropping back and giving the quarterback four or five seconds to throw the ball against them right so you take away a lot of those minus yardage plays and turnovers and i think that's had an effect on the offense too um but obviously the the offense has uh, its own issues
1: yeah you mentioned uh, all those guys. I wanted to talk about uh, Ben Burke, uh Taylor, Rapp, as well Greg Gaines. All these really exceptional players. And again, Washington. It just seems every year, you know, they they do kind of find guys on offense. But it just no matter how many guys get drafted, uh, they just reload that defense. And it's been that case again this year. Is, is and Jimmy Lakes in his first year calling the defense? I believe for Washington Christian as well. Is there just something about what Chris Peterson can do recruiting wise on defense, or is there something else that just allows them to do that every year?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I think it's um, the fact that they've built a ton of depth first and foremost, because I mean, you look at that starting five they have in the secondary and, you know, Jimmy Lake says, Hey, Elijah Molden, Brandon McKinney, and Keith Taylor, he looks at them all as starters too. He's like these guys. He said a couple times this year, these guys could start for pretty much anybody in the country except for us. Mm-hmm. And you know that's so that that's the eight deep they go in the secondary. And you know you've seen they've they've needed it. Yeah. Um. You know, they've had games where JoJo McIntosh gets tossed for targeting, and a couple guys are banged up, and they all they need to roll roll guys in there. So, uh, but you know you look at this defense, they've got seven seniors. Seven seniors and Taylor Rapp, who's a junior, who's probably um, going to go pro this year, I, I would think, depends on, on the grade and the feedback he receives back and everything. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Byron Murphy, another guy who's going to be draft eligible. So um, it's, you know, they, they've got a couple guys who have been, you know, bigger impact this year and had, you know, stepped into a bigger role than they had last year. But, you know, for the most part, it's it's the same core. You know, it's Ben Burke um, you know, Tevis Bartlett had played a ton, but he's up the middle now, moved from outside linebacker to inside linebacker mm-hmm. to kinda of shore up some depth there. Obviously they lost Vita excuse me, they lost Vita Veya, but brought Greg Gaines back and Jalen Johnson, another fifth year senior who has been, you know, maybe one of the, the more overlooked guys in, in this class and on this team but has been really valuable for them and they brought back their whole starting secondary, um, yeah. so it's it's a lot of the same faces you saw last year, um, and yeah, you know, it's it's I'm interested to see next season when they lose all these seniors and you know now these 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 linebackers and and these uh, defensive linemen in this front seven who mm-hmm. you know if if there's a if there's a weak spot depth wise where they don't just have a ton of guys and you know a bunch of four star recruits to roll in um, you know, behind these seniors who are leaving, it's probably in that front seven. So next year I think is when it's really going to be tested. Like, okay, like can these guys really just reload and keep this same standard every single year? Um, but you know, I I think this year they've, they've more or less been what what people thought they would be.
1: Uh, give me the name of someone, uh, either on offense or defense that we maybe haven't talked about yet that, uh, cook fans are going to want to keep their eye on on Saturday. You know, I think obviously we, we each know a fair amount about everybody's teams in this state because it's just your natural. It's a you know it's a matter of proximity. But is there one person we haven't talked about yet uh, that we should be uh, keeping an extra close eye on?
2: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna say Hunter Bryant. Okay. Um, you know, a guy who had off season knee surgery, and and Chris Peterson said at media day that hey, he's gonna be out long term. We're not even going to reevaluate him until, you know, a couple months from now. Um, and he didn't, didn't really get a great sense at that time of whether they thought he was going to play this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, he, he rehabbed well, surgery went well. Um, he made it back. Uh, even you know even in fall camp way before he was able to practice you saw him on the sidelines catching passes from the jugs machine and you know could see he's a, he's in great shape and um, you know he's body wise it looks like a guy who could you know step onto an NFL field tomorrow yeah. and it's like man if they can get this guy back you know he's he's gonna be a, a factor in the passing game and um, got him back for the Stanford game he made it made his 2018 debut had one catch played a little bit more yesterday against Oregon State, had two catches, kind of 32-yard pass from Jake Browning. Um, and so yeah, I think it only figures that his role is probably going to just kind of keep expanding, expanding, mm-hmm. expanding as, as uh, they get late into the season here. And so I think you should expect to see him on the field even more against Washington State. And You know, this is a team – we talk about the offense. Um, I don't think people would be looking down on the offense nearly as much if they were just – average in the red zone instead of terrible
1: right um
2: they've had a really 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 hard time scoring inside the 20 yard line and a a big athletic playmaking pass catching tight end like hunter bryant i think is exactly what they need to kind of help them out in that area so i he's a guy who you know it's it's only going to be his third game and certainly they're not going to take drew sample and kate otten off the field a ton because those guys have have done some really nice things for him but um yeah i think hunter bryant certainly is a guy who has the talent to Kind of, kind of make some people notice on Friday.
1: Friday night, uh, second verse, same as the first. Last time this game was in Pullman, it's for the right to go to the Pac-12 championship game and the right to win that. And as we talked about, go to the Rose Bowl, which would be certainly, I think, a great prize for the Cougs this year, and also a perfectly good consolation prize. Uh, for the Huskies uh, minus three for WSU the line open Christian you don't have to give me a final score yet we're recording this very early in the week but just how do you how do you kind of see this game going I know it's it's been a blowout for Washington the last few years I don't quite think that's going to happen again but again I know what history says in this rivalry as well
2: yeah I I think I'm kind of going through the same struggle that a lot of people are of Man, if, if you watch these two teams this season, especially these last few weeks, three, four weeks, it's hard to look at the way Washington State has played and consider the fact this game is being played in Pullman and what's at stake for them in terms of still having an outside chance at the college football playoff right. and pick against that team. But it's also really hard for me, and I know a lot of other people, to look at the results the last five years, especially the last four, with mm-hmm. with it being Chris Peterson against Mike Leach, and how this defense has fared against Washington State's offensive system, and pick against Washington. Um, so I that's that's kind of the struggle that that I'm fighting. Like I yeah. think if it were if it were Program A against Program B. Uh, and program A, or Washington State, I'd probably look at it on paper and say, "Yeah, I don't, I don't see how you don't pick Wazoo here." Yeah. Um, but just, I don't think you can ignore the history. Just with the, the coaching staff still being the same, the the, the offensive system it was Wazzu still being what it is, a defensive philosophies and approach and scheme, the Washington still being what it is. It, it, it's. I'm, I'm one of those people who like, I need to see it happen first to believe it can happen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, nah, uh, yeah. So yeah. I honestly the last few weeks when I've talked about this with people I've said like yeah like I I think I gotta go with Washington I think I just and until I see a Mike Leach offense really go out there and take it to a, a Chris Peterson Jimmy Lake Pete Kwiatkowski defense yeah you know I, I, I gotta pick Washington but man after, after watching what they did to Arizona and just how inconsistent the Huskies have been and how how, how much they've lacked explosiveness offensively and um, I I I have a harder time, you know, just just penciling in Washington, especially. Yeah, you know, just it just seems like everything is going Wazoo's way right now. I think, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew. Has added an element to that offense that no quarterback Mike Leach has had at Washington State has possessed. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I think a big reason why Washington has dominated defensively the last four years is because they've been able to generate so much press pressure on the passer with with only sending three or four guys, and they just don't have that kind of line this year. Yeah. You know, you, you take Vita Vea out of the equation, and hey, Greg Gaines is still an outstanding player. Jalen Johnson's still an outstanding player, but this has not been. Uh, a front four who has you know really consistently pressured the opposing team's passer without having to send a fifth guy yeah so i I think i think that's going to be the key matchup can washington get pressure on gardner Minshew, and can they do it without sending blitzers and and leaving areas of the field unoccupied for him to kind of pick apart just because i mean he's he's so savvy and so poised that even when he he does feel pressure he's um he's just kind of got a knack for taking what's there and, and avoiding negative plays, so yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of going to be the key matchup.
1: I am uh, You're filling me full of hope, and that's a dangerous thing, Christian. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> we always appreciate it, sir. Glad to have you back. Alright, thanks, man. On the kook center hour podcast we're now joined by a man you probably know better as the voice of the mariners public address announcer tom hutler but he is the man who created the mississippi mustache song that uh debuted on tuesday and i have fallen in love with as everybody else has uh tom what was the inspiration for doing this other than just gardner Minshew, obviously
3: well you know he certainly is an easy guy to be inspired by but um I have a couple of good friends of mine who we were sitting around watching. It was the Stanford Cougar game, and Mm -hmm. um, my friend Rob Marshall said, you know, somebody needs to write a song about Gardner Minshew. And another friend of mine pointed to me and said, Tom should do it. And so
0: I've
3: (laughs) I've written some parody songs and some things like that before. And I thought, yeah, that would be kind of fun. And so I um, I, I wrote a few lyrics down then, you know, like that night, and then kind of tabled it. And then last week I thought, you know, if I'm going to do this, I better do it because it's coming up, the apple cup and everything. Mm-hmm. So I um, got busy and then I have a couple of really outstanding um, friends who are musicians who have, one of them has a studio. So we went in actually yesterday afternoon,
0: Monday afternoon and yeah. um, recorded it. And they embellished it with all the,
3: you know, the backing vocals and guitars and everything else that I just sang. And, um, and all of a sudden we put it on YouTube and, Sound card and yeah. Twitter, and all of a sudden it's like, wow. I mean, I expected there to be some positive results, but right. it's been kind of crazy.
1: Well, I think, well, I mean, too, I think especially the professional quality of it. I mean, you know, normally when we hear parody songs like this, I mean, <laughs> the one I can think of is the Pullman song by a guy named Tyron. It just you know, it sounds like a kid, you know, did it in his, you know, home studio, which, you know, one would expect, but we're talking like a, we're talking like professionally edited and like good musicians and your, that is you singing, by the way, for folks who may not know and know your voice. That's you singing on that.
3: Yeah. I, um, yeah, I I enjoy singing. I I play and sing a couple of times a month around Seattle, West Mm -hmm. Seattle, where I live. And so it's kind of a, a hobby, and it's, you know, a good thing I don't have to make a living doing it, but it's fun, <laughs> and um, I uh, yeah, I enjoy doing that, so, yeah, and I have some friends who are just outstanding musicians, and they just, mm-hmm. you know, they they took it to the nth degree, I thought, okay, we'll go in, and, you know, I'll, I'll sing, and they'll each put a, you know, guitar, a bass, and a drum down, mm-hmm. and we'll be done with it, and they were, oh, they were in full bore, it's like, no, 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 we gotta add this, we gotta add this,
1: <laughs> so, like, I, I went and saw Bohemian Rhapsody the other weekend. So it was a little bit like that, where it's just like, no, 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 this isn't good enough. Let's let's do this. And but we're not talking about releasing an album by you know like the largest right. rock band in the world at the time. We're talking about what is a great song about a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback. Yeah, and you know the the the, the words just kind of
3: came pretty easily after I started got after I got kind of the theme going, and then I came up with the Mississippi mustache mm-hmm. title, which wasn't you know I mean that's been something he's been referred to anyway, and then yeah. Um, and then just kind of started thinking about Pullman and, and, uh, it kind of, you know, I don't want to say it road itself, but it was, it was not like I had to sit there and, and mull over it for a long time. So,
1: right. For folks who may not know, um, you, uh, you went to Washington state and I, you know, I think everybody now knows that you went to Washington state, but, uh, when, when did you, uh, go to Wazoo and how long have you been a big, uh, WSU football fan for?
3: I should actually correct that because oh. um, I'm, a Spok- I'm a Spokane native, and okay. I had a scholarship. I had a scholarship offer for journalism to go to Washington State uh-huh. when I was a, a senior in high school up at Ferris High School in Spokane, and I um, had gotten a job in at, at the big top forty radio station there when I right. was still AM top forty, and I I knew that's what I wanted to do, and I thought, man, I don't know if I can justify taking my foot out of the door of this opportunity and going to school when I right. know this is what my vocation is going to be. So I never attended, but, um, I am about as diehard of a cook as you could possibly be without never, you know, having gone to school there. I, I've, I've been a cook fan since I was young, listening to Bob Robertson around my right. house. I actually got to work with Bob in 1984. I did the color commentary, um, back in 84. And, um, so yeah, I, I have to get over there and I support him as much as I can. And, uh, people are amazed to find out that i didn't go to school there because of all the Coug gear and how ardently i support them but um, yeah so i yeah. would have been there in 75 if that was the <laughs> <original question. laughs> no, yeah
1: no no that's perfectly fine no that's that's good and, and and i think getting a scholarship i think that that more than qualifies you obviously uh, to be yeah. a cute fan and having uh, the offer to go to the Edward Armour School of Communication is awesome as well. Uh, yeah. I, I just want your thoughts on how this year's been going uh, for Washington State football because I've kind of been asking everybody, and I think the biggest thing for me is is just how surprising this has all been. That you, you know, at, at first, I think you know most fans, you know, optimistically, you were thinking bowl game, but double digit wins for the first time in 15 years, and the season's not mm-hmm. even over yet, is pretty incredible.
3: Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, uh, even as positive as I try to remain, I thought maybe a six and six season, and I just looked at the schedule and um and mm-hmm. and, and I and I'll say this to, to those who are listening that I'm um, very good friends with a couple named Rob and Sandy Marshall, who are also very good friends with Kim and Mark Halinski, and mm-hmm. I actually got the chance to talk to the Halinski's earlier this week, and um this whole season is kind of overridden by you know the loss of Tyler and what he meant to this team and who knows what would have happened had he been the quarterback Mm -hmm. if these circumstances had not occurred but I just do want to say that I'm an ardent supporter of of, um, Holinsky's hope and I I just hope that anybody Mm -hmm. that gets a chance to take care this is an incredible foundation and it's something that really needs to be addressed especially among young people so Mm -hmm. having said that I I thought, well, okay, we got this hotshot Cam and Cooper coming in at quarterback. It'd be kind of fun to see him get in and there and be a four-year starter. And I'd heard about Gardner Minshew, and I thought, eh, you know, why have a guy in there for a year right. if, you know, he's a placeholder for somebody for next year. And then he looked pretty good against Wyoming, you know. And then mm-hmm. I thought, well, this guy's, this guy's not bad. And, oh, yeah, defense is playing pretty well without Alex Grinch. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this is, this is a pretty good team. It's not like they're beating – poor teams um, they're beating Pac-12 teams in some cases soundly mm-hmm. and uh, as it kind of go, went along I just think there's a, a special vibe about this team I don't know what it is it just it doesn't seem like they have any fear it doesn't seem like there is any situation that is too big for them yeah um, it seems like you know just as you know being on this side of the state what I can tell is that they're extraordinarily close and tight-knit and are having a great time. I mean, even Mike Leach seems looser this year and more, yeah. you know, willing to pat a guy at the back or make a, you know, make a compl- compliment a guy. I mean, yeah. it's just um, it's just amazing. So the season's just been a complete joy ride right now. And, you know, obviously we want to top off the regular season in style against the Huskies and then go to a really nice place for a bowl game and hopefully a, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully a place that uh, they're all going to be watching on you know, one of the uh, college football playoff games.
1: I uh, I think I've said I don't know what's going on either uh, a number of times on this show this uh. year. So you are you are not alone in that respect. <laughs> uh, you and I were chatting a little bit b- before we started this interview. Uh, you like singing. You know, you mentioned singing in... Uh, not necessarily karaoke, but, you know, singing with bands and all that around West Seattle, do you have a favorite song you like to sing? And, you know, I I mentioned, because, you know, a lot of folks, you know, they know your voice from the PA for the Mariners, so I, when I heard the song, I was like, is that Tom Huttler? Because that's, that does not sound like the Tom Huttler I know.
3: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people are shocked, because I probably, probably like my go-to song is a a song by the Eagles called Peaceful Easy Feeling, and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, a little higher register, and then Another one that I do, which is more in keeping with my, I guess my range, is uh, Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton, so those are right. two that are kind of like the the go-tos, but uh, I try to mix it up. I'm not a huge country fan, even though, you know, somebody said, well, this is you wrote a country song. I said, eh, everyone's a really thinking country, but um,
1: yeah. uh,
3: but country, you know, a lot of people like country, and um, somebody told me the other day, I said, you know, to me, it's just like, you um, it's just like pop music with a cowboy hat, and somebody said, "Yeah, I call it hick hop." And, um, I thought okay.
1: that was pretty good. Yeah, that's, so, that's I, that, I like a good turn of phrase like that. Uh, yeah. What 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 kind of did you come to like a decision about how you wanted to sing this song? Where you know, because it's got that country kind of drawl to it a little yeah. bit, I think. So you kind of yeah. kind of kept it in that same you know vein of I guess Chris Stapleton a little bit, like hick hop a bit, so to speak yeah yeah we um
3: when when i had written it just on the guitar and i was playing it for myself it it sounded a little a little less countryish. but then when we got in there and uh, my buddy justin uh who was playing the guitars on it did you know some mm-hmm. kind of finger picking stuff on it and and the kind of the bass and the drum rhythm was a little bit like kind of a little gallop and kind of like a right. more like an old school you know uh country music type song so um it kind of went where it went and and uh, and at first, I was I was singing it in the higher octave, and they said, "You know what? You should sing this down a, an octave lower because it's it just seems like that would be better for this song." So right. I listened to the guys that knew what they were doing, and. So, but, uh, yeah, it was a lot of
1: fun. There you go. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, one thing about your job because I know a lot of people <laughs> who listen to this show are big Mariners fans as well. Is there one moment for you? Because you've been doing this, I, I believe it's for about three decades now, or over three decades, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah 32 so, years. I just finished There yeah. you go. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, you know, what pretty much every Mariners fan on the planet is, you know, it's your voice that they know. Is there. Is there one moment in all that time that really stands out for you as your favorite, like the favorite thing you've ever been able to be, you know, the announcer for? Just like one thing that really, you know, you you can retire whenever you want to retire and think back to like that was the moment that uh, really set every, you know, was set apart from everything else. Right.
3: Um, well, I mean, I mean, the obvious one would be uh, Ken Griffey Jr., the scoring, the run in the King Dove on that. Right. Night. Won that playoff game. Um, that was just amazing. Um, but you know, there were also goosebump moments, like just watching them after they clinched the 116th win, and they were walking around in a rather subdued fashion, you know, carrying the American flag that mm-hmm. year, you know, nine eleven, and uh, you know Edgar, Edgar Martinez's retirement night, and some of those nights that maybe not weren't necessarily on you know a moment of action, but were a moment of of just honoring somebody or just a cool moment where somebody been such a big part of the team and you kind of get goosebumps and you know that everybody there just absolutely loves right you know whatever whoever that might be whether it's griffey or edgar or whomever and um those are kind of the things that stick with me is you know some of the people that i've seen play and you know i've got a lot of a lot of people that i've seen and and there's been some pretty darn good players that we've got the opportunity uh, to see play through you know the years over here
1: yep Tom Hutler, the PA voice for the Seattle Mariners, but also the creator, I think more importantly today, the creator of the Mississippi <laughs> Mustache song. Tom, we've all been enjoying it. Thank you so much for that, and uh, thank you for sitting down with us.
3: Oh, thank you. God bless and go Cougs.
0: Well, it came from Mississippi to the fields of the Boos. No one knew about him till the Pirate cut him loose. He's right on cannon he's nimble on his feet and when he gets a rollin', there's no way he can be beat he's the mississippi mustache the crimson superman wanna be the huskies he's the man who This isn't just a passing phase. It isn't just a flash. He even got old Coach Mike Leach to wear that famous stash He's the Mississippi Mustache, the Crimson Superman. Wanna beat the Huskies? He's the man who can. Just throw your nose on passes. Crimson Superman. Wanna be the Husky? He's the man who can. For his long spirals To the golden auto there He's the Mississippi Mustache.
1: Under head of the week time, and uh, this one goes out to uh, someone I know personally. It goes to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, we hung out at the Coug, my wife and I, uh, before the game in the tailgating on uh, Saturday. And when it was time to leave, we were going to go back to our usual tailgate in the double A lot hosted by the Lawrence's. And again, we appreciate their hosting us all year. Uh, so close to the stadium, it's nice to leave your beer there. <laughs> But I was very, very hungry after leaving the Coug and recognizing the uh, level of beer intake to level of food in system, I said quickly, hey, I need some food. Uh, And my wife said to me, don't worry, there will be food at the tailgate. And I said, well, you know, sometimes it's just snacks and things like that, so I'm going to get something more substantial. We had to go to the corner mart anyway to pick up some beer. We did that, and I got Jimmy Johnson. It was a perfectly fine sandwich and uh, no complaints about the fine sandwich artists there. We got to the tailgate and they'd smoked ribs. And made beans. And cooked gold mac and cheese. And all that stuff. So I unnecessarily spent eight and a half, whatever dollars it is, on my sandwich. You best know that I crammed my face full of ribs and beans and mac and cheese. (laughs) There was nothing stopping me from doing that. Absolutely nothing stopping me from doing that. Mike made some delicious food. But Dunderhead of the Week still goes out to me for not remembering, you know, that my wife had said, Hey, there's going to be some food. And I'm pretty sure somebody else told me there was going to be, I think somebody just said this, Like, oh, there's going to be like a rack of ribs or two. And I was like, oh, okay, well, there's normally a lot of people there. And I don't want to, you know, be that guy who walks up and just like takes food. But no, there was like nine or ten racks of ribs. There were leftovers. And there was plenty of food. Delicious, too. Ask Michael anything, time. ask me anything at wshukuguro8 rick does a likely at-large berth to fiesta or peach bowl lower your nerves going into the apple cup yeah a little bit i mean sitting on 10 wins highest powered offense arguably in the country There are going to be bowls that are interested, and so, yeah. I mean, you're probably going to New Year's Day bowl at this point. So, yeah, I mean, that lowers my... I I still want the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is, you know, we've talked about before how big and important it is, but yeah, it does. At GoCougs, the GoCougs bot, should Larry Scott be fired? Yes. At Bray 11 Braden Pioli. Loli? I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name there, Braden. Have you ever sat back and thought to yourself that the one non-targeting call in the USC game is what's separating this team from being eleven and zero and talked about more in the CFP discussion? I mean, a little bit. In theory, you know, I I, I don't I hate playing the what if game because we don't know what would have happened um, after that if they'd actually called targeting there. So, you know, I don't know what would I would have liked the opportunity to know, just like the two seconds in the '98 Rose Bowl. But I don't I don't know what would have happened, so I I try not to think about it too much because that's just. It's unfortunately the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. At Jimmy the Kook, Jimmy Morgan, is Costco pizza the best value pizza on the market? Yes. Without a doubt. You can, like, pick up from Domino's. You can get, like, a large. I think it's, like, a large three topping for, like, eight bucks. But it still doesn't compare to the size of a Costco pizza and, frankly, the quality of a Costco pizza. When we were in high school, we used to go get... Hot dog and a slice of pizza for like three sixty, and then they shut us out of the Woodenville Costco because we used to trash the freaking place. Not that I'm happy about that. I don't blame them at all looking back on it. At Zoo34, confirmation bias. What's our record next year? I predict we start the year early 1-0. Well, we're playing New Mexico State. I would hope so. At TJC Chappie, Chappie, do you think that this being Minshew's first Apple Cup will help him or hurt him? Feels like going in fresh might allow him to have a more clear head, in my opinion. I think so, too. He just, he's had no experience with this. He's, he's completely, and he's having fun. He's playing so loose, and he just, he doesn't know anything. He just seems to come, he's got that Connor Halliday mentality coming out the next drive, and he just doesn't care if he makes a mistake. He's gonna, he's gonna be fine. At Aram Gomez, uh, Aram Gomez, how can I convince my girlfriend to let me keep my Minshew mustache Through bowl season Uh, us winning on Friday would go a long way I know that that would that would help but also just say like hey this is the one time I get to grow a mustache didn't work with my wife but you can try that at Danny P793 Daniel Patrick what would be your dream apple cup uniforms for both teams I don't really care what the Huskies wear I do I do actually confidentially like their gold purple gold look without the stupid black chevrons they have on there now Uh, and then Wazoo I'd love to see a gray helmet crimson crimson I would love to see that. At WC Brady 27, Mustache for Heisman, who plays the main characters in the upcoming movie documentary this season. Clint Eastwood plays Mike Leach. It's gotta be Matthew McConaughey for Gardner Minshew. And I don't know. The Q played Charlie Conway for Kyle Sweet. I assume. That seems like it'd be perfect. Uh, at J Leap 19, if we make the Rose Bowl, would you want to play Ohio State or your other team, Michigan? Ohio State, without a doubt, so we could beat them. Uh, At Ferguson Casey, Casey Ferguson, what's your favorite Husky joke? You know the only similarity between you and UW fans? Neither of you went to UW. Washington State 35, UW 32. I'm sorry, I've cursed it. We'll talk to you next week on the Coop Center Hour.